Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Carl Weigel. I'm one of the elders here. And more importantly, since my wife and I have been here in about, we came in 98, I've been on the missions team most of that time. And hey, Chris, how you doing? So this is a great day for me because this day is focused on missions, which is a subject that's near to my heart. And so this morning, Mike King and I, uh, Mike, hold on. be right there, Carl. I'm grabbing something. Hold Mike, on. are you here? Yeah, yeah. Hold oh, on. Okay, hold on. come on out, man. All right. What are we doing? Well, we're gonna we're, we're gonna... turning down walls, right? That's what Katie said. What? No. Right. Right. No. Hold on a second. No, Mike. Mike. No, we're not doing that. We're going to talk about tearing down walls. And sometimes there is an imaginary wall that stands between us and doing things for other people, and particularly missions trips. Some of those walls might be things like it's too far or I'm afraid, or I don't fly, or I don't speak the language, or I can't get that much money together by then. Those are all imaginary walls, and today we're going to talk about the missions trips that this church body took this summer, and some of those barriers. We're going to talk about some people specifically and how those barriers were removed for them. So we went to three places this year, right? Mike? Yeah. Well, we just went to one. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dominican. Yeah, we went to Dominican Republic. Yeah. Well, this was a different one, though. Yeah, but go, Mike. Yeah. Where Dominican. else did we go? Uh, we went to Peru. Peru. And El Paso. El Paso. All right. Yeah. And we have some local As ministries here, too, that we'll talk about over on campus. First, we're going to talk about the Dominican Republic trip. This year, we had 36 people go. Yeah. And so the, that's the largest Dominican Republic trip we've had. We've uh, been on 10 trips in the last 11 years. And Greg Hunt, who used to be a pastor here uh, and a youth minister, was the instrumental previous. in that 2006 trip, which was second largest. Yeah, he's DR a previous trip. record holder. 35 people, but that record we broke. We talked him. We got him. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, some of, the, some of the people that are a little younger than Mike and I that went on the trip this year are here to tell us what they learned. There's Josh and Casey and Corbin. Why don't you guys come on up? So we wanted to hear from uh, some of the students. Uh, a lot of times when we talk about missions trips, um, you know, th- there are some, some big hurdles for adults, but I think uh, for students, uh, taking this leap of faith and, and going somewhere where you know, they don't have quite the, the experiences that, that we have as adults. Um, so I think it's an even bigger leap of faith for them to uh, go overseas, especially to a foreign country where they may not speak the language, and uh, an attempt to, to do some work and develop some relationships and just uh, get along and figure out, you know, okay, where do I get something to drink? How, you know, where's the bathroom at? Things like that. So uh, why don't you three introduce yourselves, uh, kind of tell who you are, uh, where you know what, not what age, but you know what grade you're in, or and uh, maybe uh, something else like uh, your favorite Power Ranger. <laughs> Anna, I'm Casey. I'm a senior, and my favorite Power Ranger is the pink one. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, my name's Josh. I'm a senior, and I think my favorite Power Ranger would maybe be the red one. Okay. I'm Corbin. I'm a seventh grader. My favorite Power Ranger is Red all day. 
read all day? Is that a different one than Josh's read? <laughs> Josh's read is just half day. Typically, I prefer the Jungle Force. So. Oh, nice. Jungle <laughs> Force. Right. Mighty Morphin. Okay. Um, well, what made you guys decide to go on the trip this year? This is my second year going, and I had a really wonderful and life-changing experience last year, and I just wanted to do that one again. Um, this is my first year. I was supposed to go last year, but plans fell through, so... I was really bummed out last year, so I went this year, and it's pretty awesome. Well, I did the weekend of service here, and I just wanted to do something bigger, so my dad told me about the Dominican Republic trip, and I just decided to give it a try. Now, your, your dad is who? John Folsom. John Folsom. Oh, okay. And he's been before? Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Does that make you uncomfortable when we're that close? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's kind of like being back in the DR, right? The big open dorm room, open bathroom. Yeah, that was kind of uncomfortable too. <laughs> so, so what kind of fears did you guys have before, you know, as the trip is building up and things like that? What, what were some of the fears that you had to overcome? The language barrier is always a fear because you go to this other country where they're completely fluent in other, um, like another language, and you're like, Oh, how am I going to communicate with people? But it's really not a big issue at all. I have to second what Casey said. Um, I'm taking my fourth year Spanish, and that really did not pay off as well as I thought it would. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you find a way to communicate with uh, the people there. So it's not Just like Casey and Josh said, the language barrier is definitely tough. But then once you get there, it's easy to communicate because it's just like a giant game of charades. So, (laughs) Corbin, tell us there was one uh, one story in particular that you had a way that you kind of connected with with somebody in the DR. I was just kidding, Ryan, because me and Josh were at the medical clinic and we were asked to like entertain the kids while their parents were inside getting help. So we, me and Josh, found this kid named Ryan and. He was like the skinniest kid I ever seen. So he, well, we went to the back of the church and he saw a mango tree. He climbed over the barbed wire fence and ran all the way to the mango tree, got us a mango, and came back and insisted on giving it to us instead of him eating it himself. All right. So, what were some of, besides that experience, what were some other uh, experiences that were really touched you? Um, one experience that uh, touched me, and I know some other people who went on the trip, was the night we went to um, Fabio's. We had the church service there. It was all in Spanish, and even though you couldn't understand anything, it was still really powerful and amazing. Um, the thing I have... The question again. The question? Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you what, remember? Yeah. Uh, and not What's the question. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing I remember most is probably just connecting with the kids there. And just, you know, two of the kids wrote me a letter in Spanish, which I'm not really reading or able to read yet. Um, but probably just connecting with kids and talking to them and stuff. So what did you learn about yourself while you are on the trip? Um, that I'm too materialistic, meaning that I rely on my phone and other things like that too much, and that I should just be happier with what I have. Corbin, how about you? Same with Josh. I'm, like, very materialistic. I always, I'm always on my phone, always on the computer, always on TV. So, yeah. 
Casey, what did you learn about God this trip? I think God told me that I have a really great heart for missions work overseas, and I would love to go back and do something longer over, like, for a summer, like, several months. All right. And what's, what's something, you guys have all overcome your fear of, of going on a, a big trip like this. What's something that you could share with everybody else to maybe encourage them to, to give missions trips a try? I mean, mission trips are always the scary things. You never know what you're going to experience. But if you're scared, just try it. I mean, try something local first and just keep stepping up to something amazing. I have second what Casey said again. Um, the airplane ride is kind of scary. It was my first time on an airplane, so it was kind of scary. Um, I mean, just try something, you know, just go for it. Well, most people are scared of language and like the language barriers, but once you get there and like once you're done with the trip and you look back, it's worth the experience and you'd want to go again the next year. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, we were talking about this year's missions trip to to the Dominican Republic and Mike and I also have been on, Mike's been many more times than I have, but I've been on two others with Mike, one in 2006, one in 2008, and then this year. But last year, uh, he, he talked my family into going with his family to El Paso. So there were my five and his five, and we went to El Paso last year. And thankfully, another group of people went this year, and most of them are right here. There's oh, look at that. Just right on. How'd that happen? There there are Katie's on the end and all the Kevins in the middle and and Jeremy. And so, but these people went to El Paso this year and met with, remember we talked about Greg Hunt. He went down and started a church in El Paso and they went down to support that effort. So we'll get out of their way. Tearing down these walls is like extending a hand to a man broken and bruised, disappointed and disillusioned with Christians and with Christ, with the godly and with their God. A man with no place to call his own, no roof over his head, no place to eat, no bed. A man who needs a second chance or a third or a fourth, who doesn't even know why he ended up where he did. Uh, A coffee shop? A church? Uh, People are gathered, music is playing, people are singing, children are learning, worshipers are praying, and in he steps. Tearing down walls is like extending a hand to a man confused and wondering, tired and hungry. Give him a chair, a drink, some food, and a smile. Just let him sit, surrounded by the faithful and the presence of one who is able to break chains of his past, to give joy and healing and rest, to give peace. Tearing down these walls is like holding a child close, a child who's known only chaos and confusion, a child who doesn't know if tomorrow he will have a meal or a home, or family, a child who has never known a father to be anything but gone, a child who only understands pain and fear, a child who needs love and comfort 
Suddenly he's overcome, and all he can do is cry. Tearing down these walls is like holding a child while he cries, who won't let go because he feels love. For the first time in who knows how long, he feels loved. He catches a glimpse of a loving father who won't leave or cause pain, who will only hold him close and remind him that he is loved. By a God who knows his pain, hears his cry, counts his tears, arms that belong to another of God's children, arms that don't understand the words the child speaks, but can understand his heart and his desperate yearning, yearning for safety and comfort, yearning for love. Tearing down these walls is like building a garden cultivating a sign of hope in a place that is known only fear and abandonment. A place where motives are questioned and handouts aren't free. Tearing down these walls is like planting a garden, turning the ground, tilling the soil, planting the seed and watering, and not just planting alone, but inviting others in, inviting them to be a part of the story, a part of the renewal of this place, to feel the earth slip between their hands and believe that more is possible than what they see now. That there might just be a God in heaven who cares about giving life and hope, who cares about restoration. Tearing down walls is like extending a hand where there has been only ignorance, reaching out where there has been only isolation, working together where there's been only division. Tearing down walls is like finding common ground and shared hopes, playing together, laughing together, doing life with people who used to be, at best, strangers and at worst, enemies. Tearing down walls is like seeing Jesus in the eyes of the forgotten, abused, and neglected hearing his voice in a stranger's language, feeling his touch in the embrace of the unloved. Tearing down walls is like breaking through what would separate and finding a way to connect, to share hope and peace, and above all, to share love. This summer, I saw my daughter tear down walls. This summer, I saw my family tear down walls. This summer, um, I saw my friends tear down walls. This summer, I saw the Dominican Republic mission team tear down walls. This summer, I witnessed God tearing down walls by allowing him complete control over my life and while submitting to his will and purpose. exposing herself to a world so much bigger than what she's used to. She's loving and playing with the orphans and by building relationships. By loving some kids that don't have parents 
it was just a joy for me to be able to see Cindy and, and my daughters loving these kids, playing with them, teaching them Bible stories, just letting them sit in their laps for a while. Exciting to see such a great experience and see that. And now she can't wait to go out and serve others as much as possible. Kids were impacted this summer. My kids and orphans. This summer, I saw God tear down walls by giving me the peace and trust I needed to willingly serve Him and His people. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing about the Dominican Republic trip and saw a little bit on that slideshow about all the trips. And you can tell we're changing our shirts. This was the 2000 and Mike. Mike, are you here? All right. Come on. on, Carl. I'm coming. Wait. Hey. This is good. We wore this for the Red Power Rangers. Turn around once. Yeah. What? Okay, excuse us a second here. Here, just take your sleeve out. Okay. We were we were hurrying a little back there. <laughs> All right, span man. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Good. Okay, good. Carl, he's always been like a dad to me. <laughs> so uh that looks does it does you know how it feels better Yeah, to it's you? not as tight on my neck. I know. Like that. I know. So anyway. Uh, we heard about the DR trip. Now we're going to talk about the Peru trip. And the Peru trip was started by a couple people that joined our church about three and a half years ago that went to a Peru mission uh, orphanage. And they loved the kids there so much, they ended up adopting three sisters. And so then last year, they led our first team down to that same orphanage in Peru. And then this year, our second team, 21 people went this year to Peru. Another yeah. record. Another record. And, you know, we just, we'd love to see these records continually broken year after year. There are so many things to do out there. So if the Peru folks could come on up. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about this. Christine Decker is going to read a story that was written by her daughter, Maddie. And Maddie is how old, Christine? Fourteen. Fourteen. And... When you hear the story, you'll know why I ask about her age. But come on up, Christine. Once upon a time, one in 20 ordinary people were called to do something extraordinary. One by one, they were summoned by the king of all the lands to visit a strange, far-off place. Joining together, these one in twenty, young and old, timid and courageous, followed the king's command and set off on a journey that would change their lives forever. When they finally neared the faraway place, weary from travel, yet determined to finish the journey before them, they realized there was a slight problem. 
I believe we have a slight problem, said one of the cubby to the others. I believe that in order to reach the faraway place, we must pass through that wall. This was very true, very true indeed. For before the brave company stood a great wall as high and as wide as the eyes could see. And strangely, upon each brick of the wall was inscribed a word. Words like indifference, selfishness, fear, and pride. After thorough examination, it was determined that the wall was much too high to scale, exceedingly too wide to pass around, and worst of all, there was no gate. However, shall we get to the faraway place if we cannot pass this wall? They all wondered. One of the many stepped forward. But look, there's a small hole in the wall. Let us peer through it by turn. One by one, they each took a turn, looking through the tiny opening on the towering wall. As one of them looked through the hole, he stepped back with a gasp of surprise. There's something, an eye on the other side of this hole. Hello, who's there? A voice spoke out in answer, but not a normal voice, not a voice that the one in 20 could understand. For the people of the faraway place spoke a different language than the company summoned by the king, and the king knew this very well. However, a few among the group knew a meager handful of words, a meager handful indeed, of the language spoken in the faraway place, and slowly but surely they were able to communicate with the person on the other side of the wall. Was there a gate to the wall? No. Was there any way to get around it? Not that the stranger could think of. But then as they spoke, a very strange thing happened. A brick engraved with the word isolation tumbled from the top of the wall and hit the ground with a thud. Picking it up, they discovered that it was now inscribed with the word communication. How strange, they all thought. But still, only one brick of thousands had fallen. There was still no way over, through, or around the wall. By this time, a large crowd had gathered on the other side of the wall. All were curious about the visitors stuck outside of the faraway place, blocked by the insurmountable wall. Well, perhaps we should not have come here. Do you think we should turn around and go back where we came from? It's no use standing here doing nothing, said one of the travelers to the others. Many nodded their heads in agreement, and a chorus of, Yes, I suppose so, most likely, rang through the group. But one of them was still looking longingly through the hole, and turning, the rest saw that she had tears in her eyes. Look through this hole. They are the reason we are here, and I am not leaving until we finish what we came here to do. Obey the king. Help them. One by one, the wayfarers again looked through the hole. They looked into the hungry, hopeful eyes of small children. No, we cannot leave them, the young woman said. And the rest agreed. A few more bricks toppled from the wall. Picking one up, they discovered that etched upon it was the word compassion. But alas, many more bricks still stood sturdy and looming before them. There must be some way to break through this wall. I have an idea, said one from among the one in 20. Why don't we dig under the wall? Everyone thought it was a somewhat helpful idea. But we don't have shovels. We'll never finish if we use our hands, one complained. Maybe someone in the faraway place has a shovel. Perhaps they could help us, figured another. Yes, we shall ask the people of the faraway place for help. In a short time, a few shovels had been collected, and all of the travelers, in addition to many people from the faraway place, were digging frantically. Some dug with their hands, some with shovels. Still others kicked at the dirt with their feet. 
as they dug, something incredible happened. They understood each other. The faraway place people and the one in 20 felt a deep, strong trust in each other, an indescribable tie. And then something even more incredible happened. The first sign was a rumble. And at this unexpected noise, the tired workers jumped back. And it was a good thing they did, for all at once, the wall began to rapidly collapse, one brick falling on top of another. Jaws dropped as the wall was broken down, as if by an unseen force. Each and every brick had a word etched upon it. A young girl who had at first trembled at the thought of leaving her home country for a strange faraway place picked up a brick that said fearlessness. An industrious businessman who had cringed at the thought of leaving so much work behind found a segment reading sacrifice. And a mother who had brought along two children on the journey stumbled upon a slab carved with the word trust. Cautiously, the visitors climbed over the rubble and for the first time could easily view those whom they had come to help. The people of the faraway place greeted their guests warmly, and soon the visitors were playing and laughing with the children of the faraway place. Children and adults were receiving much-needed dental care. Adolescent girls were learning to sew, and men were working side by side to build a path. And as they interacted, the one in 20 sent by the king realized that these people from the faraway place were not very different. Not very different at all. Because deep down, no matter what the color of their skin, no matter what language they spoke, what customs and traditions they practiced, they were all the same in the eyes of the king. They all had hearts that needed love, longed for security, desired to matter, and yearned to hope. They all needed the king to satisfy their deepest needs, and the travelers were able to share this truth with those from the faraway place. After a very short time, the visitor's stay in the faraway place was over, and it was time to go home. A sweet little girl with a contagious smile, who had become very close to one of the older girls who was visiting, cried and cried when it was time for them to leave. The two friends just held each other. Neither of them wanted to say goodbye. The elder girl whispered, Te amo, which means I love you in the language of the faraway place. And the little girl whispered back, Te amo. As the older girl took the last glimpse of the little girl who had stolen her heart and walked back dejectedly over the remaining rubble of the wall with her fellow travelers, a brick tumbled before her feet. She picked it up, brushed away the dust on its face, and carefully read the word etched upon it. The brick said, Love.